Hey y'all, what if you really could change your life? If there was a way to be healthy and intentional in every area of your life? Good news, there is. And we show you how each week on All of You Whole. Hosted by me, Caroline Fossil, entrepreneur, wellness expert, author, and speaker. Every episode is an in-depth look at how to help you get unstuck, be brave in your life choices, and have a meaningful life all either from my own experiences or from the experts I interview. My goal is to help you build a healthy, connected, and intentional life that fulfills your greatest purpose. Today on the show, I am so honored to welcome my friend, Katie Levitre. Today's conversation, as I was recording it, felt like the most important conversation I've had on the podcast thus far. It felt so raw. Katie was so vulnerable and honest with us about her struggles with anxiety, depression, and OCD. You guys, I want you to buckle in. This might be a conversation that just blindsides you. You might not have heard of anyone who has ever used mushrooms before. I just hope that you can keep an open, non-judgmental mind as we talk about using mushrooms. Katie used MDMA and psilocybin. I want you to keep an open mind as we talk about using mushrooms in a therapeutic mid medicinal way, because I think you're going to be as blown away as I was by Katie's results. This is the first time that Katie has shared her entire story using mushrooms publicly. And so honestly, I felt so honored that she was willing to share that story on the All of You Whole podcast. So without further ado, let's welcome Katie. Welcome to the show, Katie. We are just so honored that you are willing to be honest and vulnerable about this journey with us. And so we're just so excited to welcome you to the show. Thank you. It's so great to see you. You have the most radiant smile. So (laughs) I love just being on with you. Oh, thanks. (laughs) So first, can you just briefly introduce yourself to our listeners and tell us a little bit about you? Yeah, so I am a certified health coach in both functional medicine, health coaching, and pregnant and postpartum mothers. And I'm not currently seeing clients because I have got two little people at home. And I just moved for the 13th time in <laughs> 13 years. Yeah. So I started after I had my daughter, a blog just to help mothers get access to information that I felt was not available to me, or at least was hard to find at the time and really liked doing that. It wasn't for a profit. It was just to share the information with other moms. And I've continued to do that on somewhat a regular basis on Instagram with someday the hope that I'll be able to take it into a career, but right now focusing on my family. Yeah. So that blog is The Imperfectionist Mom for our listeners to check out. Yes. It's been a few years since I've added anything onto it. (laughs) There will be a day. (laughs) Eventually, yeah, we'll get going in some direction. Yeah, um, totally. I have a three and a five-year-old, three-year-old son who just broke his leg. And yes, and a five-year-old daughter. And I am married and currently live in Nashville, but have lived 
all over. <laughs> yeah, all over. No, it was so fun because today, and your husband was an NFL player. And so it was so funny because he's played for teams that like people in my life love, right? Like I grew up going to <laughs> Titans games and I, and my husband's was, is from Atlanta and is always a Falcons fan. So I'm telling everybody, I'm like, Katie's awesome. And look at who her husband is. <laughs> so they oh, were all like, I love that. That's so fun. Yeah. So amazing. Today, we're going to talk about mental health and your journey with it. And so I first just want to know, you've lived with anxiety, you've experienced depression, most recently OCD. So when in your life did you first start noticing the symptoms of these things? So back in grade school, um, my parents told me that I would always be like nervous to go to school. I'd Mm. be convinced that the other kids didn't like me. I would sit next to the teacher. I've suffered with stomach aches since literally birth, colicky baby, screamed all the time, always had stomach pain. And I think that anxiety started manifesting young, but then I didn't feel like it was really strong throughout like maybe middle school and late middle school started suffering with depression that went on through high school. And then I had my thyroid removed when I was maybe 18, 19. And my anxiety as I know it today really exploded then Hmm. like started suffering from panic attacks. And yeah, it's been kind of an up and down journey Hmm. since then. Yeah. And do you, I mean, you mentioned gut issues. I, that's my story as well. Like gut issues from birth and just remembering telling my parents, my stomach still hurts again and Mm -hmm. having to work through all of that. Do you see a connection there between these gut issues you experienced and some of the mental issues you struggled with? I never did before until I started learning more about my body. And now it seems blatantly obvious that those two are connected. Right. I think that there is trauma part of this. And then I think that a microbiome issue, especially Mm -hmm. if it's coming from birth and my children were both born colicky, like more than you can imagine. I mean, I think colic is such like a, yeah. Like, what does that even mean? Yeah, totally. yeah, but my kids cried six to nine hours a day for nine months straight. I mean, we nine had months, nine months. We had no relief. My kids were crying constantly and they're still suffering with gut issues now. And so I think it's pretty clear that there was a microbiome imbalance probably mm. in me that was passed to my kids. And oh, wow. I, I can watch my daughter like be very similar to how I was when I was little And so constantly on this quest to get some more normalcy there, like how do we balance this? How do we find a place where we can all get a little relief? Yeah. Oh my goodness. I can't imagine how hard that must have been. I mean, Ella was just a joy of a baby because she was so premature that they don't, they like can't cry. Like she was born at 30 weeks. So she'd be like, wah. And it was like, that's time for, to feed you. And she'd be like, wah. And that was nap time. And then Owen just was an absolutely different story, but he was only fussy at night. And so it would be hours and hours, but, and that took a toll on me. And Katie, that was only three months. And so I can only imagine the, just the tears and frustration. And also to the, like, if you're anything like me, I would just Google the same things over and over. Yeah. Just hoping for different results, hoping for some relief and some help with that. So that can be so hard. You've also experienced some really tough postpartum periods, even especially like after Lily was born. Can you describe kind of how you were feeling? Yeah. So I had definitely had anxiety start before then. I went on a brief stint with antidepressants 
it must have been right after college. My best friend passed away and that kind of sent me for a real spiral. So I was on antidepressants for probably like three to six months. I felt mm. like it helped numb some of that so that I could get mm. through the day. But I felt pretty good for a little while. And then right after I gave birth, it came flooding back like you couldn't yeah. imagine. And now I have a husband who is three weeks away from playing in the Super Bowl after my daughter is born. I am alone. Yeah. My dog was aggressive towards my daughter. I couldn't have them in the same room together because he was trying to attack her. Oh and I gosh. lived in a 500 square foot apartment <sighs> with two dogs and a baby and a husband who was in Houston for two weeks when I had a newborn. <laughs> my gosh. And she's screaming all day long. And right. I have never even babysat a day in my life. So I had no idea what I was doing. Right. <laughs> um, and you're also like, why is she screaming? <laughs> Yeah. And I lived in Atlanta and I didn't have a lot of support. Mm -hmm. So it was a combination, I think, of certainly physical things that were going on in my body, but then also situational, like just having no idea what was going on and being worried about my daughter and all the things. So it really it really hit me hard. And what you were saying about constantly Googling, that was part of it was like, what's wrong with my kid and what's wrong with me? I feel guilty. What did I not do? What should I have done? What can I do better to relieve her suffering? And of course, you know, as a mom, there's nothing worse than seeing your child suffer and feeling like there is nothing you can do about it or at least you can't figure out what you can do about it. It was a real struggle. And again, like you said, my husband played football, so he was gone constantly. I mean, it Mm -hmm. was really her and I, and it wasn't until she was about five months old that I finally said, okay, I need some help. And I need, Mm. I need like somebody part-time to come help me while he's gone traveling and started seeing a psychologist for specifically for postpartum issues and really starting to take care of myself. And that was really the only thing that got me out of it. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. Later on the podcast, we're having our mutual friend, Katie, another Katie talking about postpartum support and how we don't realize going into it, how much support we really need. And so I'm glad you could get that support just out of curiosity. Did you ever figure out why were they so upset? What was going on? Or did it just kind of like they grew out of it? So I was able to figure out with my son, how to get him from screaming nine hours a day to like five hours a day. And it's something called lactose overload, which is Mm. my most popular blog post that still gets, I get hundreds of emails about this a week. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. So Maverick, I, I had too much breast milk and I mean like enough to feed quadruplets. I mean, it was spraying out of me. Wow. Um, and so when both of my kids would go to eat, they would choke, they would not be able to swallow properly. It was bloating and loose stools and mucus and all of that. And what my lactation consultant in Atlanta found out was that I was giving them too much for milk, which is like the watery milk at the beginning. And it's really high density in lactose, which is, has nothing to do with dairy consumption. We produce lactose as humans. So that has a really high lactose content and the high milk is like the fatty, more nutritious part of the milk. And I'm probably saying this wrong because it's all the same milk, but it's just different constitutions from the beginning of the feed to the end. Yes, yes. So what was happening is my kids were getting too much of that for milk and they were getting the super high lactose content and not enough lactase enzyme in their gut to break that down. And people, I think, sometimes think that this is a dairy allergy, but it's 
it has everything to do with the consumption and what they're getting. And the moms who are writing me almost always tell me that they have a really high milk supply. So we started supplementing with lactase enzyme before every feed. And there was within five days, a huge difference in um, how he was feeling during the day and getting through the feeds. Um, So I have a blog post about that really goes into depth about how I helped him, but that was really it. it. It, I think by the time we figured it out, it was probably too late and the damage in his gut had been done. And so he really didn't get out of it for a long time, but it was a big difference. I mean, we'll take any hours less of screaming a day, but I think that if people were able to do that from the very beginning, and if they knew that they had a high milk supply, if they were able to start supplementing from the get go, they may have a better chance than we did. Yeah, totally. I also wonder if, and if this is just theory thinking about this, but if you like pump all of the milk out of your body, shake it up like a margarita and then give them that milk through the bottle, right? Mm-hmm. Like, is that more balanced for them? I'd be curious to know. That's interesting. So I want to talk more about what are some, I think, I feel like you really have done all of the things, right? Like you've done all of the right things that all of the professionals have told you to do in order to try to heal your mental illnesses. And so I want to know which have proved to be most beneficial to you, like things that you started doing that you continue to do because you see the benefits? Yeah. So like you said, there's been a lot. I, the first step was, um, seeing a therapist, which I had been doing since I started suffering with depression in middle school, I was bullied relentlessly in middle school and suicidal. And so I got shipped off to the psychologist to try to figure out what was wrong with me and how to make me feel better. And so talking with someone certainly was helpful in that I had an outlet to bounce ideas off of and had someone in my corner advocating for me, but it didn't make the depression go away. It didn't make me feel any more sane. It didn't make the bullying any easier. And that continued through high school. And then chronologically, it was my thyroid needing to be removed because of a lot of different environmental factors, not taking care of myself, not knowing how to eat properly. And then shortly after that, several traumas of friends dying in a row and through that whole time, therapy, right? Like therapy every week. I'm going on 20 years now of talk therapy and never feeling any different. So then I started on Prozac. This was shortly before I got married after, like I mentioned, my best friend passed away and Prozac was helpful in that it relieved some of the suffering for sure. There's no doubt about it. I was able to get through a day without thought looping constantly. Very helpful for that. What my issue with it was, is that it didn't heal anything. So it numbed it enough so that I could get through the day and sleep at night, but it made gut issues worse and it just Mm. numbed me. That's how I felt. So yes, for sure. Got me through the day and maybe in one of the worst times in my life, it helped me get through that, but it didn't solve anything. So Mm -hmm. about three years ago, I started introducing functional wellness, I guess, as we would call it and root cause wellness. And so sunlight first thing in the morning and earthing and eating really nutritious, high, high nutrient foods and exercising and 
all of that and noticing a slight difference and then incorporating mindfulness practices, a little bit more of a difference, and then going through these periods of just feeling really low again. And Mm -hmm. you can imagine after all of that being like, I'm doing all of this. Why do I still feel this way? And it's a difference between people feeling sad sometimes. Like that's okay. For sure. It's okay to feel sad sometimes. That is a normal human emotion that you should feel. Yeah, totally. But my goal was always to get to a baseline of happiness and Mm -hmm. I just wasn't getting there. I was, and even still feeling like a baseline of dread, a baseline of fear. And Mm -hmm. that's kind of how I was living. And those happy moments were there, but they were less frequent than I think one would hope for. Yeah, totally. So most recently under the guidance of a professional with the blessing of your therapist and psychiatrist? Psychiatrist and a psychotherapist, yeah. Yes. You took a therapeutic dose of MDMA. So can you tell us about that transformative experience? Totally. Preface that I am not a recreational drug user. I've never even smoked pot before in my life. I don't drink alcohol. This was a big leap for me. And it was at the decision of either going back on psychiatric medication or Mm. taking another route. So after a lot of investigation, I decided to go through with this. And um, yeah, so the journey guide is a trained therapist. My county in California where I lived, this was decriminalized. So I did it for therapy and had the most healing, transformative experience I could have ever imagined. I think most people think of MDMA or Molly or ecstasy, whatever you want to call it as like, everybody's at a rave and like dancing and partying. I laid on a mattress in this woman's basement and cried for three hours straight. Oh my gosh. But the interesting thing about MDMA is that it shuts down the fear center in the brain. So it gives your body the ability to, or your mind, the ability to bring up these traumas without fear. Mm. So things that you may not want to think about your brain doesn't let you think about you've built up these protective mechanisms around you're able to see them and not just see them and not just relive them and not just be there because you really are there you're able to wrap them up and process and put closure to these events so for example the first thing that came up for me once the medicine started kicking in was I was transported back into the room right before my thyroid surgery mm. and we're talking I could see the whiteboard on the wall with the smiley face like the sad one up to 10 to see like how are you feeling I could see that I could wow. see what I was wearing I could see my parents in the other side of the room I mean I was there and wow. not not only was I there visually but I could feel the energy in the room And I'm I'm pretty woo-woo, but I'm not like that (laughs) woo-woo. And what I was noticing is I was picking up on my parents' fear and I was sitting across the room from them. And instead of feeling like everything's going to be okay, I was Mm -hmm. able to pick up on their fear. Like they truly were not sure if I was going to be okay. And (sighs) as a mother, I can totally feel for that. But as an 18-year-old, 19-year-old kid, I am terrified. I have no idea what's going on. And I just want reassurance that everything's going to turn out okay. And no one could give me that. So I had a calcified thyroid nodule that they were concerned was cancer and had to go in for a very important and timely surgery to get this Mm. out. 
And I was going to wake up and they were going to go into my lymph nodes and see if it was cancer, had it spread somewhere else. So there Mm. was a chance I was going to wake up from this and found out I had very serious cancer. Wow. Yeah. And so that was a lot. And so in this process of taking the MDMA and having the guide there, I went through all of the emotions, right? Like, Mm -hmm. am I going to be okay? I'm scared. And then the post-op feelings of, I am not whole. My body is not okay. I'm not functioning the way that I'm supposed to now because this is gone. My, my whole thyroid is gone. My body's not functioning anymore. Mm -hmm. And with the help of the guide, she asked me, okay, now I want you to look at younger Katie and she's scared in that room. And I want you to tell her how you are now. She's like, are you whole? And I said, mm. yeah, I'm, I am whole, like I'm okay. And despite that not being there, I am okay. And she goes, I like, how whole are you? I want you to tell her how whole you are. And through tears, just screaming, I'm so whole. I had babies, like beautiful babies that are okay. And they're, they're beautiful and sweet and healthy. And you yeah. did that despite having this very important part of your body gone, despite all mm. of the struggles I've went through since then, I am so whole that I was able to produce life. Wow. And it was, I mean, I get chills now just thinking yeah, about same. it, how, how powerful that was for me to have this feeling of wholeness for the first time in 15 years and believing it, believing mm. what I was saying to myself that despite this tragedy and despite losing this important part that I am so resilient and so whole that I can produce life. Mm. And I would have never gotten that through talk therapy. I couldn't have right. gotten there. I couldn't have even known that that thyroid surgery was as impactful on my life mm. as I found it to be through there. Yeah. And those memories that like you, you're describing it so clearly, would you have consciously been able to say, this is what I'm wearing? This is what no. I wore. So like no. you were able to access this traumatic memory in such a full spectrum way that you weren't even consciously aware of otherwise. No, I mean, I have very few memories of my childhood, very few, which is a whole other trauma issue. But even from that time in my life, I don't remember much. I mean, my dad has to fill me in on all the details of that surgery. And I only remember very specific parts. So for me to remember what I was wearing and what my parents were wearing and what was up on the wall was... I mean, I just, there's no way I would have accessed that. And trust me, I have tried again, 20 years right. of therapy. Exactly. <laughs> totally. And when you're talking about this guide, I want to know, are they like asking you, think of a memory, right? And then you go to that memory and are they like asking you questions to go deeper, to help you explore it? Are they pretty hands-on, pretty hands-off? So it really depends on the situation, but Mm. that particular MDMA experience was unfolding on its own. Mm. But what she was able to do was help me wrap up each of these things. So Mm -hmm. she asked me the right questions. Like I mentioned, she said to me, what do you want to tell young Katie? Mm. Mm -hmm. And what I think is the difference between maybe somebody taking this recreationally, even if it was for healing reasons, is that memory may have just been played out for me, but it may not have been wrapped up and put away the way that it was. And I, I say that because after each of these memories I had, I literally pictured putting them in a Home Depot box, sealing them up and putting them on a shelf on the side of a room. And so I don't know that I could have gotten there without her asking Mm -hmm. those questions and without her helping me go deeper, but there is a deep reverence for the medicine with these guides and they do not interfere. They're just Mm -hmm. there to help. 
guide. So all of the memories that came up were my own coming from me. And she just helped me pick away at them a little bit more. Yeah. Wow. Amazing. So that experience was about eight-ish months ago. You had a second experience with a different drug with psilocybin, which derives from mushrooms. How was that experience? And did you feel like it was any different, any better, any worse? How would you compare it to your MDMA experience? Yeah. So it was a totally different experience. What happened after MDMA was there's usually like a crash period with, I think, hormones in the brain kind of regulating. And I actually did not get that experience. I had a week after that I was the happiest I have ever been in my entire life. My relationship with my husband was different. My relationship with my kids was different. My relationship with my body was different. I Hmm. felt so much joy. And it wasn't until about, and that decline period usually happens within one to two days. That didn't start to occur to me until eight days after the experience that I started Mm. to slowly feel like that feeling was going away. And which is beautiful because I know that feeling exists and I know that there's a chance that I could get back there. So when I was ready to journey again, I mean, we're talking big gap between one and the other, I decided to try psilocybin and you set an intention before you go on these journeys. So you have multiple prep sessions with your guide where you're talking about where you want this to go, what you want to come up. And that is supposed to put something in your subconscious so the medicine can go where it needs Mm -hmm. to go. Mm -hmm. And so what came out of my MDMA journey was that I want so badly to be able to let love flow in and flow out of me unrestricted. And I my husband and I say, I'm like a cat. I beg for attention, but when I get it, I like shrink up and I don't want it anymore. And I get scared. Um, (laughs) and I've had this weird fear of touch my whole life. Like people Mm. putting their hands on me will make me clam up and get sweaty. And if I'm not feeling deeply connected to my husband at the time that we're touching, Mm -hmm. I can even feel that with him. Mm -hmm. And same with the love I try to pour out to people. I feel like it is restricted and I, wanted so desperately to know why that was. And so when I went into my psilocybin journey, the goal of the experience or the intention that I set was, please show me why I am having trouble letting love flow through me freely. Mm. And so my psilocybin experience was long. I took multiple doses. I felt like I really wasn't getting anywhere. And as I'm laying in this bed with the eye coverings on, I'm saying to myself, whatever it is, I'm not scared anymore. Hmm. I know my body has been protecting me for all this time, but I'm ready for you not to protect me anymore. And I want to know what Hmm. is here. And I had a very um, visceral reliving of a sexual trauma from my childhood that I didn't know existed. Excuse me if I get emotional. And it was reliving it to the point where I almost was re-traumatized by the whole experience. I could see things from my childhood. And like I said, I have very few memories. Mm -hmm. I could see the room I was in. I could see Mm -hmm. the cartoon that was on the TV. I could feel Uh. it. And it really, it was really powerful. And in a strange way, almost exactly what I asked for. I was begging the medicine to show me why some of these things in my life were the way that they were. And it 
showed up and it Mm -hmm. did exactly that. And my guide was so incredibly helpful. She was there through the whole thing. She asked me if it was too much, if I wanted to go deeper, what I needed to explore. She asked the right questions. So the medicine could reveal itself to me. Um, And then after I had a lot of work to do and I still have a lot of work to do. Uh, Yeah. And so I think for some people that would be like, I don't want to know that kind of a thing. hmm. But for me, the way I look at it is these traumatic experiences are very powerful and our body is even more powerful and it Mm -hmm. tries so hard to protect us. And those those protective mechanisms are so important and there's, there's, they help you survive at a time that you may not have been able to survive what you went through. Mm -hmm. But at a certain point, those survival mechanisms are maybe hindering your growth Mm -hmm. and they're not helping anymore. And so I got to the point where I was grateful for what my body had done for me for so long, but it's time to let that go. And it's time to be able to let my body feel safe Mm -hmm. and to empower myself to get through this and be able to process these things and move forward. Uh, how powerful. And yeah, it's crazy how our brain really can black out entire memories or entire, I have a friend who doesn't remember her childhood, like at all, just like you're saying, and it is protective. And maybe that's what you need at that point. And, but just like, I don't know, I'm just so in awe of you for being brave enough to explore that now. And to be able to, I just think, I don't know, you're just such a different person now Mm -hmm. in your thirties than you were as a child and how healing and restorative it can be for you to go through these memories in with the, with a guide and be able to put them in a box, let them go move on and experience joy. That is just such a miracle. It is. And you go through this period because those, those traumas that are uncovered, you start to like question yourself, like, did this really happen? Am I making it up? And then your body, I don't know if you've ever read that book, body keeps the score. And my body was having a physical reaction to these memories where my, I went into like full chills and where I've had stomach pain since I was a little kid, it literally felt like it was coming from there. And I was holding my stomach. And I remember the guide asking me like, why are you holding your stomach? And I was like, all of it is coming from right here. And to this day, that's where I get my stomach aches from. And after that memory was unleashed, I felt this great calming of that part of my body that is tight (sighs) and in pain all the time. It was like loose and it felt like it was so grateful that I just was able to finally release that. And the craziest part about this, Katie, is that your body was keeping the score. Your body was physically holding on to something you weren't conscious of. Yes, totally unconscious. I had always had a feeling and other members of my family did too, that there had been a sexual trauma. Nobody Hmm. knew when it was, nobody knew what happened. And I tried through therapy, through psychics, Hmm. through all of these modalities to access this because I wanted to heal. Hmm. I mean, one thing you can't say about me is that I'm not going to (laughs) try. Yeah. Amen. And so I wanted to process it and it just was not there and we could not for the life of us find it. And so I gave up on it after a while. And I thought, you know, maybe it was something else. 
And then to no one's surprise when this happened and it came up and they were like, oh, this makes so much sense. It was everything about it could have happened. Like there, mm-hmm. everybody could see, oh yes, that makes a lot of sense, but totally unconscious of this. I would never have suspected the person, the place, mm-hmm. the time, the age, none of it. I mean, I couldn't have, there was mm-hmm. nothing there, no memory of that at all. Right. And the way that it came up was so powerful. And my guide shared with me that this had happened several other times and that almost all of those people who that came up for were able to get confirmation from a parent or family member who knew that it had happened and was trying to protect them, you know, which we now know is not the way to do it. It's better to talk about it and process the memory. Oh my gosh. Our family members are trying and they're doing their best. They're doing their best. They're trying to help protect you, but oh, how traumatic. Yeah. And so these medicines are really powerful and as grateful as I am for them. And I do have plans to continue my work Mm. with the medicine. You have to know that Pandora's box can get opened and there's a lot of stuff that you, and I don't regret any of it for a second, Mm -hmm. um, but they're extremely powerful. And the difference between kind of what you were asking me, what I did before between the antidepressants and the psychedelics were the antidepressants made it so that I could get through the day and they dulled the feeling of chronic anxiety and depression. The MDMA experience in particular made it so that I could deal with these traumas without Mm. fear. I could process them more effective than 20 years of therapy. Mm. I could process them and I could let myself know that I was okay. And I have a lot of traumas, both small and big, and I'm not totally to the end of that journey yet, Mm. but I feel so much more gratitude towards being able to process it. Because if there's Mm. one thing I want to do, it is stop the generational trauma from happening. Mm. It is allowing my children to learn from what I've learned and not pass fear and OCD and all of these things onto them because they pick up on all of it. I picked it up from my mom who picked it up from her mom and her mom. And this goes down and it goes down and it goes down. And at some point you have to be a cycle breaker. You know, you have to look in the mirror and say, I am not going to allow another cycle of my family to deal with this. I am going Mm. to stop it here. I'm going to process it. And I'm going to pass that wisdom onto my kids. And there's a greater purpose than just myself, right? I have children now and I want them to have a better chance than I did at dealing with this. And I'm going to show them that I can do it. Oh, that's so powerful. And I feel like we're most likely to continue doing hard work because all of the things that you've shared today, Katie, are so hard. Like we want to go on a healing journey and then quit when we've reached the end and then go back to our lifestyle before, right? But it is a lifestyle change. You've completely changed your life. And I think that we're most likely to continue on doing the hard work when it is not just for ourselves, but also beyond ourselves. And of course you can do hard work for yourself and that's beneficial, but I think it like just helps you keep going when you're also doing something so impactful for your two precious kiddos. So I want to know, you've had these two beautiful experiences, super hard, but beneficial experiences. And how do you feel now six-ish a few months later? Yeah, I think it has cycled. So there have been times that I felt really good. I think 
post MDMA was a totally different thing where I was really feeling great for a while and then went through some lows. The psilocybin journey, I explain it as like, somebody did open heart surgery and I haven't been fully put back together yet. But like you said, it's part of the process and it's not going to be easy. I have 30 years of stuff I have to deal with. Right. And I can't expect it to be fixed overnight or maybe even fixed altogether. So I just recently went through a pretty serious episode of depression and Mm. OCD after my kids got sick and I had to make some really hard medical decisions and it threw me for a loop. Mm -hmm. And what I'll say about that is my biggest trigger because of my past traumas Mm -hmm. is making the right health decisions for my kids because I don't Mm -hmm. want them to suffer the way that I did. Right. And so that really sent me through a really hard time. But the one thing that is different about this depressive episode versus the suicidal ones I faced when I was younger is that I am aware now through mindfulness and through my medicine journeys and through talk therapy that this is always temporary. Before it felt like nobody loves me. I am, I'm better. They're better off without me. It'd be better if I wasn't here. And now when I have the feelings of like, dread and hopelessness, I am able to, as difficult as it is in those moments, to recognize that this is not reality. Mm. It's maybe a temporary reality. I'm feeling this. These are real feelings, but that it is always going to pass and Mm. that joy is on the other side. Mm -hmm. And there's a difference in that type of hopelessness, right? You may feel hopeless in the moment, but you know that moment will pass. And right. so at a minimum, what I've gained from all of this is that I know I'm loved. I know I'm connected with other people. And I know that I can get through extremely difficult times and that I'm not going to give up before I felt like giving up was the best thing to do. And now I know mm. it's not. So as hard as the journey can get, I'm going to keep putting one foot in front of the other and keep mm-hmm. working on it. And I'm not going to give up on myself. Mm. Yeah, that's so good. And I mean, I was just thinking as you were saying that what was coming up for me is you're going into the surgery when you're 18 and you're seeing your fearful parents on the other side of the OR. And in this place in your 30s, you can look back and say, I know without a shadow of a doubt that they were trying to do what's best for me. And I feel like that is such a healthy perspective for you to have. But also, it seems like you're also teaching your children that you are always do like the fact that you are wrestling with medical choices for your children is because you are always trying to do what's best for them. So whether it's choice A or choice B, and you don't know which to choose at the end of the day, they will also have that feeling, right? Of like, my mom cared so much and she wanted to do what's best for me. And I totally relate. Both of my children started showing signs of gluten intolerance. I'm like, I don't want to be that mom. Like, I don't want to be that mom that takes all of these foods groups out of their diets, because I've really tried to be pretty balanced with them, even though I'm a paleo food blogger. But I just had to sit them down and explain to them, this is why this is so important to me, right? Like I had a wrecked gut my whole life and I'm trying my best to set you guys up for success, but it's such a hard choice, right? It's such a hard choice anytime something medical happens with your kiddos. Well, I want to wrap up by asking you, so if someone's listening to this who feels like they're in your shoes and 
it seems like psychedelics are a great next step for them. What kind of advice or caution or tip do you have to that for that person? Yeah, I think the number one piece of advice is just knowing that it's not going to be easy and it may not be blissful and being prepared for that. I think the regular cautions of know what the laws are where you are. <laughs> yeah. And then also um, really being aware that there are a lot of guides out there, much like the gurus out there that take advantage of people and are predators and have these God complexes. And so please make sure that if you are going to work with a guide that they are vetted and that you trust them because there are a lot of horror stories around psychedelics with people being taken right. advantage of and further mm -hmm. traumatized. But I would say that there's a glowing endorsement from me only because of how many things I tried and how effective this was in such a short amount of time. And mm. there's a lot of research out there. The group maps is doing a lot of incredible research around MDMA and people are, I don't mean this lightly curing their their anxiety issues, their wow. trauma from war. They are coming back and oh, having wow. PTSD in three of these sessions and it is going away. Oh, they man. are living a clear life with a clear head. There are people using ketamine therapy who are on the verge of suicide that are now not suicidal. Oh man. So mm -hmm. if you're really, really struggling and nothing else has helped, it's worth your time to go look at this. There are major institutions studying this stuff. It is not going to be underground for much longer. And I encourage everybody to go deeper and not give up because mm. there is light on the other side of the tunnel, even when it looks really grim. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you, Katie. We're going to end with a couple questions I ask everybody. So at the end of your life, when you're looking back, what will a successful life look like to you? I think... I would have probably answered this differently a little while ago, but based off of what we were talking about, that ending of the generational cycle of trauma mm -hmm. and passing that on to my children. And I will have felt like I have made a real difference if I am able to stop that cycle here. And I am able to give my kids not a life free of struggle, but um, free of the fear that I feel that have been, has been passed down through mm -hmm. many generations. And so if we can stop that here and we can turn it into a teaching moment, I think that that will feel pretty good. Uh, of course. So what's something in your life you've been really intentional about recently? I've been always intentional about knowing better and doing better when I learn mm -hmm. things. But recently after that OCD cycle, I am also trying to be intentional about balance between trying to do all the things right and then just letting things be and knowing that my kids don't need fixing. They are beautiful the way they are and their struggles are their struggles. And sometimes as a mom, the hardest thing you can do is watch your child struggle, but you have to know that those struggles are going to be part of their story. Mm, absolutely. And then what's something that you'd like to be more intentional about in the future? Having fun. Uh huh. I love that Having so much. Fun. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. And Katie, where can people connect with you more? I'm at Katie Levitri on Instagram and to be determined in the future. Hopefully there will be more. Yes. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing so much with us and being here today. Yeah. Thank you. It was great. Katie, I cannot thank you enough for your vulnerability, your 
gosh, just your bravery in coming onto the All of You Whole podcast and sharing with the world your experience using mushrooms in a therapeutic way that really drastically changed your life. I am so, so grateful that you chose my podcast to share that story. And so I just want to thank you listeners. I know this might be a completely new topic for you. So take some time to digest it. Mushrooms were just legalized in Colorado. So this is definitely a changing landscape in terms of using mushrooms for wellness. Um, but I hope that it's something that if you need some deep, internal healing that you will consider as a possibility doing in a state where it is legal. Thank you guys so much for listening. And I really want to say this week, if you have a friend who struggles with mental illness and would benefit from using mushrooms in a therapeutic way, I hope that you will send this podcast to that friend. This may be exactly what they need. Thanks for listening. And I will see you next week. 